Kami, play We're All Yankovics. Playing We're All Yankovics theme song. Welcome back to We're All Yankovics! Woohoo! Yeah, Charlie, what's going on? Well, uh, not much, actually, uh, in terms of the podcast. Um, I think we're, we just, I, I think we're going to announce that this was the uh, end of season two. Okay. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun this last year talking to a lot of fans, uh, having a lot of fans argue with Steve about his ratings. <laughs> um, that was a lot of fun. Apologized a lot. Yep. A lot of apologies. And uh, yeah, so we're, we've got some ideas in the, for the future of the podcast uh, season three, we have a couple of things percolating. Uh, although if you're a fan, um, give us a shout out, let us know uh, if there's anything in particular you'd like us to talk about or do with the podcast that you would find interesting. Uh, Cause yeah, we've, we've talked about almost all the songs twice now, so <laughs> we need to come up with something to do. Yeah. Besides yeah. the stuff we uh, haven't hit on, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 There is a, there is a little trove of things we haven't touched yet. So that's really that we can look forward to that, I think. Uh, but yeah, we're going to take a little bit of a break off. Uh, it's just been harder to record where we are now um, and try to figure out what is going on in the world. Uh <laughs> And but to to finish the season, uh, we have an interview. Oh, we finished the season with the same person we finished last season with. Uh, we have an interview with Nathan Rabin about his uh, new book that is the uh, second book he wrote. But then he's put a whole bunch of stuff at the end of it and uh, expanded. It, it's version. really good expanded version of uh, the that book. The and, weird accordion uh, to Al. Yes, that book exactly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, now this is going to be a little, uh, not safe for kids, uh, cause that's just the way Nathan <laughs> talks. Uh, but it, not, nothing too, nothing too crazy. No. Uh, and, uh, yeah, here's, here's an interview. Yeah. With Nathan, Nathan. Rabin. Welcome back to We're All Yankovics. Woohoo. Yeah. Hey, we got, we got someone here with us today, Charlie. Surprise. No, 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 Steve, this is an interview, so we don't do the intro. The intro <laughs> you just said that's what that, whatever. I said introduce the guest. Well, I, you know, that's part of my intro. <laughs> it's you know, it's I, can't, I can't change, Charlie. I am who I am. <laughs> okay. you, you normally introduce the guest. I say the woo-hoo. I mean, the, we're all Yankovic thing. I'm not used okay, to Okay, okay. Well, then, then in that case... Uh, you know him well from this podcast, as well as uh, almost all the books about Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, it's Nathan Rabin. Wait, we're keeping that intro? What the hell? Yeah, sure. Wait, no, we got to start over, man. Hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having hey, me. Hey, Nathan. It is an honor and a pleasure to talk about Mr. Yankovic and his world. Well, realistically, we're more talking about you today, aren't we? Uh, you just finished up and uh you published the second version of your the weird accordion to al and uh we're here to talk about that for a little bit i did i did i, I finally published the 500 page book on weird al yankovic that the universe was angrily crying out for and i thought you know the, the least i can do is acquiesce there's just this yawning yawning need 
in the market that must be satiated. Uh, yes. Had, I devoted about three and a half years uh, to this particular wow. project on top of all the work I did for the first book uh, that I wrote about, uh, wrote about uh, Weird Al. I also wrote it with him. I also wrote it for him. I was his employee. Uh, it was the first time that he was my copy editor. Uh, I got to see the 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 un, uh, the, the Lovecraftian horrors uh, that is my grammar uh, before anybody has touched it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've been I've been been, been in the trenches uh, for t- nearly ten years at this point, uh, writing wow. and researching, and yeah, it's been it's been it's been surreal. Uh, and yeah, this has been a very 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 long journey. Uh, but yeah, I could not be more excited about the place I am in this adventure. I'm excited too because I I held off. I got I kickstarted the book, but then I held off for the the bigger expanded version. So that means I'm finally going to get the the book in my hands so I can flip through the pages uh, is, finally. And I'm, yeah, it's funny. I I, uh, I sort of crowdfunded this uh, through Kickstarter and through Backerkit, and I did really really well. Al was very nice. He uh, you know shared the news on Twitter and on Facebook and was very, very kind. Uh, and yeah, God, I got uh, about 500 pre-orders. Uh, and I gave people the option, do you want uh, <laughs> a bird in the hand or two in the bush? Uh, do you want the 382-page <laughs> version of the book that's only every single song and every single one of his albums, the 14 studio albums, plus the rarities, plus the Wendy Carlos albums, or alternately, in you know, box number two, do you want a much, much, much longer book with lots of other great stuff? And I was kind of hoping that people would be greedy and short-sighted and American, uh, and that they'd, they'd all go for like, oh, I want the thing right now. But people were smart, and they waited, and they were patient, and like 400 out of the 500 people said, I'll wait for the better book with more content for the same amount of money. And I will be honest, part of my brain was like, no, I finished the book. (laughs) It's really good. It holds together well. It's conceptually tight. It's like not self-indulgent for something that I've done. Like, this is a really, really, really good book. Don't make me do all of that extra work. And at the same time, I was kind of excited about doing all that extra work. You don't necessarily volunteer to do stuff unless you want to do it. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It, was, it was kind of crazy because I probably could have gotten away with just writing about UHF and the complete owl uh, for this because those are kind of you know his two big uh, extracurricular projects. But in a fit of desperation or ambition or some the two, I said I will write about every episode of the Weird Al show and every episode of uh, Al's season of Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, he was the band leader for the fifth season, and I friggin' love that show. I mean, to put things in Milton Gladwell terms, I've done my 10,000 hours of listening to Comedy Bang Bang. Oh, wow. Uh, just as I have listening to Al's, Al's music, you know, both in, in podcast and, and, and TV form. Um, and yeah, the thing that was kind of interesting about that is I feel like with everything else that Al has done, Al is the auteur. You know, as a, <laughs> as I say in my book, uh, very didactically, the Weird Al show was quite literally Weird Al's show. Yeah, the comedy Bing Bang was fascinating in that he was a supporting player. You know, he was a, he was part of the uh, grand gestalt. You know, uh, he he was supporting Scott Ackerman's vision. 
But what I discovered is that it just it fits so beautifully with his aesthetic and his career. And there's also just something nicely humble about being a legend and a superstar of the magnitude of Bernal Yankovic and then agreeing to be a sidekick on a modestly rated uh, cult show that's in its final season. Uh, so, yeah, it all ended up coming together really, really nicely. And then the, kind of the final piece of the puzzle was the uh, where it gets its title from. It's officially the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity edition. Uh, and the final piece of the puzzle before the afterword uh, is that I went on seven stops on the tour uh, that gave it its name, the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour. Uh, and I didn't have a car and I didn't know what I was doing. So I just sort of took buses various places and hoped for the best. And yeah, it was a really, really amazing and really transcendent kind of experience. And uh, I think one of the themes definitely of this version of the book is fathers and sons and tradition. And how it's this lovely, lovely thing that's kind of passed down, you know, from father to son or father to daughter or rarely or less often mother to uh, daughter and mother to son. Uh, and yeah, it's just a lovely, lovely tradition. And uh, yeah, it kind of begins that final essay uh, with me as an 11 year old and my very first Weird Al show with my dad or earlier than that, you know, getting my first Weird Al album uh, in 3D in 1984. And then it kind of ends with me contemplating my own son's uh, Weird Al fandom. And in the time since I wrote those essays, uh, my five-year-old has become an insane Weird Al Yankovic fan. Um, he's been <laughs> greatly, also not terribly, That's terribly awesome. surprised. He's, he's got my brain. So yeah, I think I would be surprised uh, if he was not uh, extremely, extremely, extremely into Weird Al Yankovic. That's cool. That's cool. And, and I, what I really, what personally for me is the most interesting, not the most interesting, but, but a fun part of that is, uh, two of the tour stops you were at and you write about the last two stops that you were at, Steve and I were at them too. So yeah. it was a great, Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, those were, those were yeah, two yeah. of the, uh, two, two of the best shows that I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, the Augusto one. They were amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, just, you know, that I was, that I was shouted out on stage, uh, for, yeah. And again, it's this weird thing where I I have faith in myself because I've written a bunch of books and I've been doing this for 23 years. But there's always some weird part of you that thinks that you're a cheat and a scoundrel and a fake <laughs> and that you're going you're going to be exposed as such in any moment. You know, so that part of me was like, God, it's so crazy that people are buying this book that won't exist for another two years uh, and has like 18 more pieces of the puzzle. So I'm very pleased to say that, you know, at the end of that road, I can say, I did it. I finished it. And it's better than I anticipated. And also holds together a lot more. Yeah. I was kind of worried that, you know, it, it being uh, about different forms of media, television, long form video with a complete owl, a children's television show, uh, an adult sort of meta talk show. Like, felt like, yeah. But, but I think part of it also is just he's such a visual performer that to only write about him in a purely sonic medium feels like it's doing him a terrible disservice. And it was also yeah. it was kind of like through the complete L I could write about the videos, which I didn't do as much as you would think during the original book. I think just because I had so many different other sort of prisms to sort of look at it through. And I kind of felt like that was kind of its own thing. And I would deal with that a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, with Al, it just seems like he's 
a multimedia person. You know, he is, he's a genius when it comes to sight gags, when it comes to visuals. You know, uh, it, uh, so yeah, I feel like this not only uh, completes the book, but it kind of adds things that turned out to be essential. That's cool. Yeah, I, I... very cool. Yeah, we're working my way through it, but it's 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 really cool, really really cool. I got through the first the first one. I got the the short version. <laughs> I I got that one. I finished that, but there's a lot you know <laughs> a lot more pages to get through. And yeah, I'm loving it, it, you know. Yeah, it's crazy to think that yeah that after slashing things to the very core, I still came away with a nearly four hundred page book. <laughs> I think it just kind of speaks to and again, kind of I think part of my. Um, part of my you know sort of thinking going into this is that al deserves this level of, of analysis and he observes uh he deserves uh you know to be taken seriously to that level and i feel like i, I really put my money where my mouth is i didn't just say or, or suggest you know that he's worthy of you know being in a book the size of war and peace i went ahead and i wrote that uh, war and peace size book and then i wrote an even <laughs> bigger book uh and then who knows it still might not be the end at this point you know there might be a third or fourth uh, one but you know don't don't hold your breath by this one <laughs> yeah, a lot of milo murphy episodes to get through <laughs> 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 Milo Murphy episodes. Yeah. You know, uh, he's got to give a shout out to the three naked, naked gun movies. There you know, <laughs> there's a lot of well, stuff he's, out he's, there. He's, he's done a lot of cameos. And I, I thought about that. Yeah. I was thinking if I were to go in another direction, one of which would be, um, you know, I would love it if he put out another album. And then yeah. I would yes. obviously feel the need to, you know, add that uh, to there. So it continues to have this complete discography. I think it might be interesting to talk about the songs that weren't commercially released, uh, of which there's a great number, and I haven't really yeah. dealt, dealt that much with that world. Um, you know, I, I would love to go on another crazy uh, crisscrossing adventure across the country uh, following him. So, yeah. There's the great thing about Alice is even at this, you know, uh, late stage in his career, there's still so much potential. There's still so much promise. Like it's still kind of a big question mark. Uh, and not only because everything in the world, right? Now yeah. Is a big question mark, you know, let's just say that Al was very, very wise to take this year off of touring, uh, yeah. kind of spare him having to cancel any dates, which I'm sure makes his life a lot yeah. easier. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it's so neat to see. I mean, I I think we might have talked about this last time, but like recently in the last like five years, I feel like we've gotten a little bit of this like weird owl resurgence, you know, uh, across all media. He's popping up in so many different places that that it almost feels like he's potentially more popular now than he was in the 80s. Oh, definitely. Well, I think that's part of it is that people, you know, they have their memories of Riddle Yankovic and they're overwhelmingly positive because he's done a lot of great work. Uh, but also because nostalgia tends to be kind of kind, you know, it tends to sort of soften things and sweeten things. And yeah, I definitely feel like uh, Weird Al is definitely bigger now and more respected now and it has a larger cultural footprint now than he did in, in 2012 when I was working on Weird Al's book when he had just put out Alpocalypse. Uh, and it's funny, yeah, there's a part of me that's like, I wonder if I got my failure juice all over him. And that's why, that's why Alpocalypse didn't do as well as his other ones did. Uh, but yeah, I definitely I feel like with, with uh, Mandatory Fun, there was a sense of, you know, let's honor this cultural hero uh, and this person who's been, you know, underrated and taken uh, 
for granted, uh, and, and you know, to put things in George W. Bush uh, terms, misunderestimated. Uh, they really kind of gave him the, sort of a hero's welcome, you know, and I think part of that also is that there are a lot of people who grew up on Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, and then they became Jimmy Fallon, or they became Lin Manuel Miranda, or they're Scott yeah. Ackerman, and that they not only use that influence, you know, but they like folded Al into their art, you know. I mean, Tim and Tim and Eric, another good a good illustration of that. And I think part of it also is just Al's always been very very savvy. Uh, Al's always been kind of ahead of the curve. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it, it's weird too because yeah, I definitely think about the fact that you know, and there also I think would be a lot of pressure on uh, a Weird Al Yankovic album. It would be definitely be seen as a comeback album. It'd be seen on a referendum. Uh, you know, it's timeless, and you know, it's kind of talked about. I don't know if you know the era of uh, releasing conventional albums would still really exist for me. You know, and and, and the industry is just so different. I mean, the industry. <laughs> the industry is different to the point that it might not actually exist anymore. Uh, yeah. The amazing thing about Al is that you know he can tour, you know, and and he can he can he can. I mean, like merchandise, you know. Like I purchased a UHF, a new UHF T-shirt this morning. Oh yeah. There's some good ones. I'm so tempted, but I don't have money for them. And now that it's like the second wave of UHF TV. Yeah. It's insane. You know, and as I sort of say in the in the book itself, like the 30th anniversary of UHF was, you know, commemorated uh, much more uh, aggressively than movies that made 50 times as much. You know, yeah. nobody's thinking about Transformers, you know, well, the original one. <laughs> the, the shitty CGI one with Michael Bay, not the one that Weird Al is connected to. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's amazing. I think that's just part, and that's. I think part of my my books are, are part of this is that he has this wonderful past, and we can harness that past, and we can plumb that past, and we can analyze that past, and that will give us a lot of pleasure, because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of new material uh, coming down the pike anytime soon. Well, and that's that's one of the interesting things about a lot of his recent appearances. Well, not necessarily super recent, but like he's playing Weird Al now and being Weird Al now. But in a lot of things, there's been more than one project where he's also played himself from the 80s. Uh, so it's like just, Goldbergs. I think he, right. no, I know. he Goldbergs, yeah. he shows up on how I met your mother, uh, or at least his office does, I think, but I think he did. Um, and then his t-shirts in stranger things and yeah. it's just, it's crazy. Well, I mean, then he was on uh, the tonight show performing uh, one more minute, you know, and that's the yeah. right thing. Yeah. And, and every Weird Al fan in the world was excited to hear him perform one more minute. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things I, I was you know, thinking about, like what, could he do, you know, definitely with the uh, self-indulgent uh, ill-advised vanity tour and then with strings attached, you know, you're kind of upping the stakes. So you got to do something weird and interesting and awful. And I was thinking what would be kind of cool is if he kind of followed the trend of doing albums in their entirety. You know, because we're only a couple of years away from Weird Al Yankovic, his, you know, got 40, 40th anniversary of, uh, you know, the self-titled uh, I Would Love, Love, Love to Hear in 3D or Dare to Be Stupid performed in their entirety. Again, he just has such uh, such a jewel uh, in the form of his back catalog. And then, you know, it does not hurt that his back catalog also, you know, overlaps with all of the great pop icons of the last 50 years, you know, it's when... 
you know, and Michael Jackson's uh, legacy is, is contemplated, or Madonna's legacy is contemplated, like Nirvana. When it's your millionaire's legacy is complicated, like, you know, Weird Al is a huge part of that. So I think at this point in his career, he not only is this a huge cultural figure, but he kind of embodies pop culture. And he embodies people's, uh, the best aspects of their childhoods in a lot of ways. And yeah, I think that's why he's such a beloved figure, even if he's not putting out new material or releasing new albums. Oh, just imagine like a, I, want, I imagine a tour that's sort of like Ringo Starr and the All-Star Band where he like every city he brings on like two or three celebrities and they come out and sing one of his songs with them and then they go back you know yeah, uh, yeah. or maybe well and you think about it I mean, like he's in his 60s now and that's one of the things that i found really fascinating about just sort of researching the thing is you know in the 1980s when he was parodying madonna she was a peer <laughs> you know she was the same age yeah. as them they were both putting out albums at the same time now you have a thing where where al is literally parodying women who are young enough to be his granddaughters you know teenagers literal teenagers and i, I just think about like he's you know he is a distinguished man he has a dignity and yet his job kind of calls for him to listen to the pop charts you know and yeah. this is the most annoyingly and think of like well, what can i do with this and that's such a weird weird and specific skill set and yeah I, I wonder kind of where his mind is at right now you know because there's so many other things that he could do you know he's He's a great director. He's a really good writer. Um, he has a real cinematic sensibility. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's nice. I, I feel like he's kind of in this really solid place in his career and in his life where he can just kind of enjoy the fruits of his labor after having worked so hard for so long. Yeah, yeah. There's so much he could do. You know, just, yeah, it's, 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 no, there's no end to the possibility of things that he could do right now. I would love to see. Like, I, we all as Al fans keep dreaming that he'll get together with some of the artists who are still alive to have them record his version of their songs, which would be absolutely amazing. I would love to see that happen somewhat, somehow. Like, that'd be a great video documentary, just like a little movie where you could get like Devo and the Talking Heads and just have them go through his songs, you know. That, that would be an amazing movie. I mean, just, I, uh, yeah, there's so many things you could do. And I felt like, you know, sort of like a Broadway show, a jukebox. Yeah, Broadway show. You know, doing doing the, the lyrics to a parody of a popular film series. Like, yeah, there are so many things that he could do at this period in his life. But the nice thing also is, like, he doesn't have to do anything. True. <laughs> nice we just demand that, that he does. You know, a lot, of, a lot of the people <laughs> that he's parody don't have that. You know, they right. have to keep putting out albums but yeah he's created such a such a rich vivid world that his fans can live inside it for indefinitely uh yeah. you know in lieu of him putting out more uh, more new stuff in, in, in more of a concerted or concentrated fashion that's awesome uh steve did you have any more questions uh i mean we i, I read the book is amazing the book and the additions just Add, you know, that much more, you know, everybody always wants more from Weird Al. And so it's the same sort of thing. You you go into depth, you're like, you want more? Well, then I'm going to give it to you. Um, and I think the the book is great. And uh, the, from what I've read, it's I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I always I mean, we always enjoyed the uh, posts on the website, but yeah. but the book 
is a little bit more comprehensive. And like you said, it's edited down a little bit and a little bit more succinct. Oh, in its, well, that's, uh, I mean, that's, plot, that's, that's, you know? that's the funny thing is I'm kind of going back. Uh, I'm sort of rerunning a lot of the uh, the pieces in this sort of new feature called The Big Squeeze, where I'm kind of looking back at the articles uh, as well as the, <laughs> this is really, really self-indulgent. Uh, and it's kind of <laughs> fascinating because they are two very, very different beasts, you know, like a lot of the uh, entries online, you know, they'll be 1500 words, 1700 words have like these really crazy sort of comic riffs, you know, like one that I, uh, that I ran yesterday, there's a big part about, <laughs> about Weird Al being Batman, bravely through the 1980s. <laughs> and again, it amused the crap out of me when I was writing it. I was like, oh, this is funny. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, when you're when you're revising and you're trying to turn you know 1600 messy uh, ungrammatical words into like a tight cohesive 500 word essay, uh, there are lots and lots of places uh, to cut. Uh, the, the most obvious being one where where to lose yourself, you pretend that Weird Al was Batman in like 1988 yeah. to 1989. That's why you didn't hear from him that much. Uh, but that's also <laughs> part of it. He doesn't talk about it because you're not supposed to talk about it when you're Batman. You know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so my, my the, the column was full of riffs like that that I thought were really funny. There was one on uh, Robin Thicke where he just talked about what a horrible human being he was for just paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. And again, it amused me to be unnecessarily mean to Robin Thicke. <laughs> uh, but when you're trying to create something that... And the other two of them, like, this is for Weird Al fans. You know, this is... I, I used to have... Uh, I used to um, have, like, I, I do still have an agent, I'd like to think. <laughs> uh, but he used to say, like, he just passed, like, the give a crap test. Uh, the give a crap test is if somebody doesn't know you or your style or your story, would they give a crap about it based on its subject, based on its content? Uh, and with that, I'm always like, yeah, I need to... Uh, Censor, not censor necessarily. <laughs> I need to refine, uh, you know, some, yeah. some of my work. Because again, I I think I'm freaking hilarious. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> Seven hundred pages long, but again, I'm just kind of like I need this. Is, these books are for Weird Al fans who may not know who I am, who may know me only as a guy who wrote his coffee table book, and I feel confident. Other than the people who 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 take to Amazon to write one-star reviews because I mentioned Donald Trump unkindly twice. Yeah, that's true. And, I, I, and I, I literally got like eight to ten of those in a row on Amazon. Oh and there was part, part of it, like, I know that I only mentioned him two or three times, and it's conceptually appropriate because I, he yeah. TV, he writes about narcissism, he writes about journalism, like it makes a lot of sense to 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 mention it in passing. But I'm like, but it's, it seems to be angering so many people to the point that they need to like write a one star review. I'm like, is it so I I, I really thought about right. it. But yeah, then I'm like, no, I can't I would feel like an asshole and I would feel like a sellout. And again, it'd be one thing if it really was like, you know, I was writing some Noam Chomsky dissertation uh that mentions Weird Allen passing, but I'm not. I'm writing a book that's fun and, and insightful and that occasionally engages in social commentary, which I think is totally okay. I mean, that's what Al has done over his forty years of, you know, writing about food and technology and money and again, I think this idea that Yeah, Al, yeah. Your now your analogies were spot on. So it was, you know, you can't write Dare to be Stupid without inferring we've gone stupid. <laughs> oh, totally. So we're talking about like reality television. Yeah, reality, reality TV. Yeah. Right now, like you look at the, the, the evolution, 
you know, right. where like Midnight's Job now looks like a, a glimmering prize because at least people were reading, you know, and at least yes. people understood <laughs> that that was a bunch of nonsense that you weren't supposed to believe and it was all just for fun and it was all just goofy. Uh, and and yeah. yeah, I think you're not doing Al or his music a disservice by decontextualizing it by you know saying right. that it's only about food it's only about being silly you know it's like he's he's a satirist um uh, and i tried to do tried to do justice uh, to that element of the of his career without being didactic and without being you know too uh using too many college words uh and not being too full of myself which uh <laughs> you know, always a danger when you've been writing for as long as i have I'll go give you some five star reviews. So well, I'll make you. up for it. I it. <laughs> <laughs> um I well Charlie mentioned do I have any questions? I mean, uh they're sort I mean they are questions, but I don't know if they're like appropriate for you or more like yeah. if I were ever talked to Al kind of thing. It's more like, oh, you took to, you talked to Al and well, you know, basically I wrote some notes. Okay. So we're, so I'm not sure whatever. When you were talking about slime creatures. You mentioned it was a B-52 style kind of. Well, like, what? One of, one of the things that's happened <laughs> since I wrote that book was I've kind of, if, if you if you look up his songs in Google uh, and Wiki, uh, they're very good with the pastiches. Um, and, and again, uh, the thing about his pastiches is there are the very overt ones. They're the ones where he's just writing a valentine to a group that he really, really loves. You know, like, dare to be stupid, dog eat dog. And then there are the subtle ones and, and the semi-subtle ones. I think uh, kind of Albuquerque is a good example. Yeah. Where it's kind of sort of the same song uh as, yes. as one. like it's, it's, a, it's a variation it's a riff um and, and again <laughs> it's know, basically a remake of dick's automotive <laughs> and that's another actually thing in which you know sort of alice music has a real commonality uh, with hip-hop yeah. is that he builds on music so much and you think yeah. about like, of course with the polkas and with the parodies and the pastiches but even like with these subtle pastiches where he'll find a groove that he really likes from like a weird old kink song or like a yeah Elton john song and then you'll listen to it like oh yeah yeah that's definitely it so with that like yeah i believe that thomas dolby is that's what i was gonna ask is the primary is the primary and somebody complained about that on amazon as well <laughs> that was my question like what is that theory wrong that there's a part there's a part where al goes where did they come from what did they came here and his inflection okay. is very very french schneider uh and i I, I, yeah, I was trying to think of where that was in the song the groom itself is totally Thomas Dolby. Yeah. But the part where he goes, where did it come from? Who are they saying? Okay. Yeah. In my mind, I couldn't pick that out. I love singing like Fred Schneider. And again, yeah, me like too. <laughs> how nerdy Zengler that I am, that in the, uh, the extended version of the book, I point to Scott Ackerman singing a fake uh, scary song and also sounding a lot like Fred Schneider. Because uh, okay. it's, it's just fun to do. And you can say crazy words. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just so, never so made that connection. And that's one of the things, too, is just there's so much there that you can learn things, no matter how into the process you are. And yeah, definitely with the, with the, with the more subtle pastiches, uh, yeah. definitely kind of this time around. And, and this time around is like a third or fourth time <laughs> where I'm saying, like, yeah, where everything comes. Oh, but I mean, another, another uh, good example would be Weasel Stomping Day. You know, where the yeah. feel of that feels like it comes from, you know, Disney and uh, it's a small world after all. But then you actually listen to the, uh, the 
Grinch is a stole Christmas. Grinch is a stole uh-huh. Christmas. The good one. The good one with Chuck Jones. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is definitely yeah. the groove. This is the field. This is what it was inspired by. Exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah, and it was that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know if I should be asking Al this. Or, well, since you talked to Al, like, I noticed that some of the pastiche inspiration, uh, I'm sorry, you didn't hit on the pastiche inspirations for a few of the songs you're writing about. Like, you know, the ones that popped up to me were like cable TV. Uh, talk soup and uh, stuck in a closet with Vanna White. I mean, you just didn't really mention. Like, is that just like, just because? Yeah, there's other stuff to talk about, or it wasn't like something that's like really been confirmed. So you kind of like just skipped over it. I you know, just kind of wondering where your where your um, mind was on those kind of things. Well, I think I think you know, kind of definitely the uh, and the the overt pastiches. Uh, he makes them very very overt in part by right. like the people that he's uh, parodying. You know, like when he's wearing a giant. David Byrne suit, uh, and, when, and, and again, like, like you know, the 2018 uh, tour, like it was so cool that man, just the, the the insane, insane, insane attention to detail that the costume was the same, and then the lighting was the same as Stop Making Sense uh, as well, uh-huh. and that's just so, 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 so perfect. You know, when they would uh, perform Dare to Be Stupid and the Devo suits, and then right. like yeah, even with there was a lot of their. Uh, you know, yeah, the Kinks. Uh, you know, they got the inspiration from the the Kinks a number of times around the same time that he was doing Yoda. So that's the other thing that's kind of fascinating to to my mind is just the sheer amount of music that Al not only listens to but incorporates into his own. You yeah. know, I mean, again, you're talking about like the other projects. Like I could write another book where I just talk about all of the people that were inspired by Al or that Al inspired. Or all of the vestiges, or like the weird, you know, sort of like um, obscurish figures that kind of figure in his story, you know, like your Tony OK. Uh, yeah. So that's the thing is that he's, he's, he's kind of this Rosetta Stone, and that his music, uh, through it, you can explore so much else. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. You good, Steve? You good? Um, <laughs> no, we're not. I'm, I'm not good. I'm not good. <laughs> I got one thing just, just to kind of jab at Charlie here, Nathan. Okay. <laughs> oh no! When I was <laughs> when I was reading the uh, description for Hot Rocks Polka, it was not exactly clear how you felt about it. Like, do you think it was really, really good, or do you think it didn't do justice to the Rolling Stones? I, I was maybe I was just tired when I was reading it, but I couldn't get where you where you leaned on that one. Like, really good polka, like possibly the best ever, or the worst. As some people might say, and you know, I, I would say, I would say that it, not surprisingly, uh, it goes somewhere probably in the middle. I think that was probably one of the, one of, one of the challenges uh, that I had for the book was that he had so many polkas, and how can you say different things about everyone? But again, I think there are some really interesting differences between them. Definitely, with the first one, I think is my favorite because I feel like the the, the genius of the polkas is you take pretentious rock music that takes itself very seriously and thinks it's important and thinks that it defines a generation and you make it silly <laughs> you know you make it <laughs> exactly you poke fun you take the piss and it makes so much more sense to you that was something like hey jude or my generation where again these are important songs uh, or hey joe uh as opposed to something like gugnam style uh where you do yeah. not have to knock that down the peg but it is also right. interesting <laughs> to kind of see stuff like the uh the bohemian polka you know, because that, again, that's interesting in part for a bunch of different reasons, one of which is uh, that it's very plugged into the pop culture at the moment, uh, Wayne's World in particular. And if you look at Wayne's World, Wayne's World feels a lot like UHF, you know, uh, so everything kind of crosses there. Um, and then also in Bohemian 
Bohemian Rhapsody is a weird, interesting song where part of me feels like, oh, it's this, you know, this epic, uh, you know, suite and it you know, transforms pop music into something like classical. No, part of me is like, it's just an elaborate goof. <laughs> like, it's just silly. <laughs> They're doing a bunch of crazy voices. Like, this is just incredibly silly. Like, you're not taking the piss out of it by having, you know, Wayne and Garth and their buddies lip sync it, you know, on, 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 on a hazy uh, Illinois evening. You're kind of honoring how ridiculous and how silly it is. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested in how. Um, it sort of outcracks people, you know, like there are certain people that he will always be associated with, you know, like he got Michael Jackson and he got yeah. and he got Devo. And I feel like Mick Jagger is a dude that he never really cracked, you know, right, there was that line where I couldn't tell if you liked Hot Rocks Polka or are you saying this is where he finally got him? I couldn't really I wasn't clear on what you're saying on that part. Like, did you think he did get him here? I don't know. I mean, I think I think that uh, probably, you know, that probably was sort of the definitive. Uh, uh, but, but also, I think maybe just sort of uh, implementing their. Uh, like, you know, that's interesting about that. Actually, now that I think about it, is one of my overwhelming series is that is you kind of know the um, with polkas, you know the hits, and you know uh-huh. what's being uh, sung well enough that you can recognize it even in a very very antithetical form of music. And the thing that was interesting about the Hot Rocks Polka is some of the Rolling Stones hit songs that aren't the big ones, that aren't the iconic ones. You don't recognize the the uh, the chorus, you don't recognize the lyrics from, and that's kind of fascinating. It's always interesting to me. I was like, there's kind of like a like a like a bug. Uh, and okay. one, of the, one of the aims of of the, of the polka is that you should be familiar with all of it. Uh, and I think what you kind of discovered there is, you know, there's a there's a big big difference between you know uh, how well I don't know. Uh, uh, can't always get what you want. Uh, yeah. from, you know the the the, the 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 second and third single from from the Steel Wheels. Uh, yeah. versus that <laughs> era of the Rolling Stones. From the from the Capri Pants and and playing football stadium uh, stage of their career. Okay. See, Steve, he 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 cut us down the middle. So I he, know exactly. He, He's he like, didn't sign I'll... with either side. Of... Because at some points, it sounded like he was saying it was his favorite. Then I was kind of—I wasn't sure if he was saying. Oh, I knew it wasn't as low as you. Charlie hates it, <laughs> and I think it's the best polka. So you're right. Oh, that's, that's interesting. I'm—I'm—I'm right square in the middle. <laughs> and, and it's weird, actually, that I said that I'm, I'm kind of coming around on toothless people. Oh, I was, that was my next question. That was my next question for you. Part of it, part of it is that I, I rewatched the movie uh, Ruthless People um, for okay. a column on the website. We can pay me to watch a movie, and then I'll write about it. And I'm like, Ooh, Ruthless People. Um, and part of it is I really enjoy that movie. It's very funny. It's very dark. Um, Daniel DeVito is great. Bette Midler is great. Uh, Bill Pullman is freaking hilarious. Is like the stupidest person in the world. And they they really work ruthless people hard. You know, it's in the opening credits, the yeah. animated opening credits, which are very very 1980s. You know, this is a Zucker Brothers movie. Uh, yeah. So you have that that connection that uh, Al, some of Al's favorite filmmakers. And then yeah, they just they use it so frequently that I kind of found myself thinking, damn, do I kind of uh, like this song? No. <laughs> And then also, I'm talking to you, I'm actually, I have horrible tooth pain now. Uh, so I'm going to the dentist on Tuesday, and I have, I have terrible dental hygiene 
I'm not kidding. In about 10 years, I could literally be a toothless person myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I relate. But the song is still terrible. Come on. It's still terrible. Word crimes <laughs> and toothless people. Those are the two where I feel like Al is just he's pointing, jabbing a finger at me. Dramatically, <laughs> so you know, oh. uh, oh. teeth. You didn't read grammar books. Like, What's wrong with you? Yeah. He has pity on me all the same. So uh, I appreciate that. Well, that's that's awesome, Steve. Uh, stop, stop bothering Nathan. Oh, fine, <laughs> fine. Uh, thank you again for uh, dropping by. It's great. Uh, it's great to talk to you. You have such great stories, and you 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 have such well thought out ideas. It's great uh, to have you on the podcast. Um, thank you very much well, for the book. And yeah, and I also want to say it, it's really neat. Like a friend of mine. I don't think I've ever impressed him except for one day he realized that I had talked to you. And, <laughs> and I think that's the only thing in my entire life that's ever impressed no. him, even though we've worked together for like 10 years. He was like, wait, you know Nathan Reed? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that is very kind of like, what, again, what I kind of, the, the, the differences in this one is I think I kind of uh, talk a little bit more about sort of the fan community uh, and about, again, it's not just this artist, it's this fan and this community and you have a sense of identity and, and solidarity. Uh, and that's been really lovely. And I feel like, you know, I've, I've become more part of the family uh, sort of since I've written the box. And, and that's lovely. And definitely your podcast like yours. Uh, are part of oh, thanks. this giant wave of, of love for Al sweeping over our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Deservedly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A bright spot in the world. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you again, yeah. Nathan. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again next in your third chapter. Of this <laughs> definitely. definitely. <laughs> when you go for 750 pages. <laughs> All right. All right. Have a good one. Have, have a great afternoon. That was Nathan Rabin. It's great to have him on the podcast. He's got so many fun stories. It's just sometimes it's nice to just like ask him a question and then sit back and listen to him talk. I had three more pages, Charlie. You cut me off. I had so oh, many notes. Well, the one know? time I take notes and I got through two questions, I'm going to have to start my own podcast, The Nathan Rabin Experience. <laughs> I'm going to oh, ask him my lists, I mean, lists and lists of detailed nitpickings of all of his, his musings. <laughs> no, I only actually had one more question. But that's, maybe, that's, maybe, that's all. maybe that's what season three is. <laughs> season three is us talking about Nathan's reviews of Weird Al's songs. That's I yep. love it. That's, well, that's and, the and idea. they're really not necessarily reviews. They're more like intellectual Thoughts. musings. Yeah, exactly. On, uh, His yeah. takes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're definitely not reviews. I think only once yeah. or twice does he say like this is you know not great or this is the best thing he's ever done. So otherwise, it's pretty middling all of his his musings of their songs. It's just this is what it yeah. is, and this is kind of like you know what it meant in the world at the time. So it's a really interesting yeah. book. I really like it. Yeah, no, me too, me too. I uh, can't wait to have it actually in my hands and flip through all five hundred pages. That's gonna be pretty crazy, right? Uh, is that all we have for today, Charlie? Well, uh, I mean, like we just want to say uh, thanks to all the fans who have been following us on Facebook and Instagram and uh, all those things. Occasionally uh, Twitter when I remember. Twitter, yeah. Uh, we uh, hope everybody's doing fine, staying healthy. But keep uh, talking to us on Instagram and Facebook and uh, Twitter. Uh, we'll still be there. We'll still love to talk about Al. And of course, anything that happens Al-related uh, will definitely be a topic of conversation on the internet and uh, till season three, uh, thanks for being part of uh, the Weird Al experience. The weird—that is that our name? Wait, what? 
No, no. That's something else. The Weird Al... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's something. The, the, okay, well, whatever. We're at the Weird Al Yankovic's experience. I like there that. you go. And John Marita Schwartz, if you're listening still, please get a hold of us. I want to talk to you, man. Please. Why haven't you reached out? John. Although, honestly, at this point, John. you know what I'd rather? If I had the choice between uh, John talking to us uh-huh. on our podcast or us going to his house and he doesn't say a word but lets us look at his pictures and things. He doesn't say a word? I almost would do the second one. This is uh, the end of this season of the podcast. Yeah. And Steve doesn't want to let it die. So uh, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Bye. So, uh, Steve, you got to say goodbye at some point. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>